On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. On today's episode of the Ron Johnson Show, I'm excited. Why? We get to talk about NFL wide receivers, particularly Justin Jefferson, Calvin Johnson, Jerry Rice. I'll explain a little bit, and Cooper Cup, he's in this list. I'll explain a little bit later as we jump into the show. We also have the Daily Three coming up. We're going to talk Vikings training camp coming up soon. There's some first, second, and third year players that I'm excited about. We'll jump into that. And then, of course, All-Star Breaks coming up, Brian O'Neill. And then the Wolves coach, Chris Finch, are going to come up in the Daily Three. As I bring Sam Ekstrom and my producer, before we jump into today's segment, again, I'm excited about this Justin Jefferson conversation about wanting to be the best wide receiver in the NFL. And there is a way to do it. There's a path, a specific path to do it. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. You got it, Ron. We'll start out the week telling you about the Sports Card Investor app. It is completely free, and you can browse over 630,000 sports cards. That was a huge hobby of mine growing up. I had the little laminated pamphlets. I would you know, stick the cards in the slot, turn the pages. I would have them organized, NBA, NFL, NHL. Um, and right now, there is a resurgence in sports card collection, which is really, really cool. And at sport with the Sports Card Investor app, you can find the breakout stars cards. You can find the prospects that are debuting that are going to be great someday. Uh, like I said, 630,000 in their selection. Download the Sports Card Investor app today, available for free in the Google Play and Apple app stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. Yeah, Sam. So here we go. So as we jump into the show, the question of the day, Sam, is Justin Jefferson across the world. He took Twitter by storm for a little bit. Um, and that's why I love social media, because <laughs> you get about five minutes unless you keep pushing the envelope like Antonio Brown and some of the stuff he did for a little bit. And his 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 infamy is gone as well. Antonio Brown, we've we've forgotten about him and Kanye West and all the stuff they do. This world is too crazy. It's way too crazy to think somebody's going to control these headlines. Unless it's Kirk Cousins for MVP, I think that could control the headlines for a little bit if he's actually in the race towards the end of the season. That That's going to become one of those three- to four-week things. If Like the last month of the season, Kirk Cousins is one of the front runners for MVP. That, that would capture the sports world. But Justin Jefferson makes a sensational comment that he wants to be the best. Now, one, if you don't want to be the best, why are you doing it? Like who doesn't want to be the best? Justin Jefferson is confident enough to say it. Clearly, something's given him some more confidence. Um, now, he always said he was confident as far as the rookie stuff, and he didn't want Jamar Chase to break his records. Uh, he didn't play as many games as rookie as Jamar Chase did. They have 17 games now, blah, 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 blah. But when you think about Justin Jefferson saying that, there's a reason. He feels it. I don't know if it's the play calling. I don't know if it's Kevin O'Connell. Um, but, Sam, in your mind, what could Justin Jefferson do early because we're, we're going to talk first half of the season and second half of the season. What could he do early to kind of already put everybody's on point that, hey, this might be the best receiver in the NFL this year? Yeah, so I think it was 2018. I think Adam Thielen shot out of the gate. 
and had eight consecutive 100-yard performances. And then he cooled off in the second half of the year. But if Justin Jefferson did something similar where you literally have the target on his back every week and he still produces at that level, that would put the league on notice. That would capture the headlines in September and October. And then in November, people are talking about Justin Jefferson is on pace to have 2,000 yards. That's when you become the center of the story. Every single week going into the game, the other team is talking about Justin Jefferson. The local media is talking about Justin Jefferson. And then it becomes more natural to say best receiver in the league, Justin Jefferson. So I think that there is a path. Like, yeah, And I want to hear your path, Ron, for Justin Jefferson okay. to be considered the number one receiver. But – I think you can't forget about the other guys that he's vying with. What if Devontae Adams is having a great year? What if Cooper Cup is having another spectacular year? How could Justin Jefferson actually separate himself from those guys? Yeah, so this is where I'm going to go with it. When you think about trying to be the best ever, I always love the phrase, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Because so many people want that easy path to the championship sometimes. Somebody, they want that easy team Like, people are sitting around hoping the number one team gets knocked out of the championship before they have to play them. Um, My my daughter's softball team, and I go back to that quick quick scenario this, they were the number one team for B teams in Minnesota. So there's an A tier, which means you must have a bunch of second-year girls, so a bunch of 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, or sorry, 11-year-olds, maybe one 12-year-old because her birthday's early. and then there's B teams who they just consider themselves B teams because whether they don't have a great pitcher or they have a bunch of – we had third graders on our team this year. Like we had three or four third graders on our team. So we just said, you know what, let's take this B path because some of these third graders aren't ready for some of this A talent. Now, we did play A teams. We did play some A teams this year. We lost twice to them, and I think we beat them twice. So we did play some of the top talent, but we couldn't do it week in and week out. Um, when we got to the state qualifier, I could see teams hoping – we lost. And I'm not going to say what cities, but it was to the point where after we beat one of these teams, their coach and some of their parents stayed around for our next game, hoping that we lost. There was a parent that got kicked out that was all the way down at the end of the concrete, watching from a distance, hoping that a bunch of 10 and 11 year old girls lost because they just, they just hated the fact that we were good. And uh, long story short, we didn't, we ended up winning the championship, but they wanted us to lose so bad. And so why would you want to win against the second or third team and not beat the best team to, to prove you're the best? The last two teams left in the state tournament for B was two Wisconsin teams and a Minnesota team, which was us. We got third, but we are the best team in Minnesota because that's Menominee and the other team was River Falls. Both Wisconsin, so that's a different story. So if Justin Jefferson wants to be the best, he's got to beat the best. Right now... The best has been set. If you look at Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup is the best right now. And he set the mark last year with his stats. And and, and I'm going to throw out a couple. 145 catches. That was one. That's the big one where Justin Jefferson has to really say, I'm going to go after this. So you got Cooper Cup's 145 catches, right? You got Cooper Cup's 1,600 and I think 49 yards or something like that, or 1,900 and something yards. He, was, he wasn't far yeah. off of, yeah, 1,900. So he, was, he wasn't far. 
sorry, I dropped my notes. He wasn't far off uh, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson's record was 1964. Cooper Cup was right there. So this is what Justin Jefferson needs to do. He's got to surpass 1,964 yards. He's got to take Calvin Johnson out. He's got to, and, and I was going to say surpass 23 touchdowns of Randy Moss, but that's impossible, I feel like, right now. With just the way defenses play, the way, like, you still have Adam Thielen, you still got K.J. Osborne, you still got to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. Because if you think about the Patriots back then, they didn't really have a run game. It was just the air show and Tom Brady. Um, but Chris Carter with the Vikings, 17 touchdowns. So let's take CC off the board. Go get that. Go get the best in purple. Go get CC's 17 touchdowns. Either get 17 or get 18 touchdowns. Cooper Cups, or sorry, the number one yards or catches, 149. He's got to surpass that. And, and, and I look at some of these guys on these lists and, and some of these names and in the ages, he'd be the youngest to do it. That's the other key to this. These guys were 28, 26, 32 when they were breaking these records. Calvin Johnson, I think, was 26 plus is what is it, or 26. Justin Jefferson is younger than that. He's under 25. He's one of the best under 25. So that's, in my opinion, what Justin Jefferson needs to do for people to unanimously say, and if he does that, forget Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson might be the NFL MVP. Like, I think that's what people were thinking when the whole MVP conversation came up with Cooper Cup is like, well, wait a minute. Is he the front runner for MVP? The kids with the triple crown winner. He's at 1,900 yards. I think Justin Jefferson needs to hit that 2K. Like, go for, go for, go for 2,000 yards. 2,000 yards as a receiver. It's never been done. Go for it. I mean, look at King Henry's 2,000 on the ground and trying to break Eric Dickerson's record. Like, that was – I was with Jamal um, – oh, shoot, what was his last name? Lewis? What was Jamal's last name? Lewis. Yeah, I'm like, what is his last name? I was with Jamal Lewis in Baltimore when he almost broke it. And we had Eric Dickerson, you know, sending videos in. And, you know, social media was different, so it wasn't – I mean, it, was, it wasn't going to exist. So there was no social media for him to, like, post something. So he had to send an actual video for kids out there that don't know. It's a videotape. Uh, comes up on a CD and you put it in and then it's a message from the GOAT. And Eric Dixon had a message for 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 Jamal Lewis about, hey, XYZ young fella, this was, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all fun and games. Records are made to be broken, you know. And then, of course, ESPN has him at home watching it, though, like cringing, like, oh, no, 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 don't do it this way. Don't break, you know. Adrian Peterson <laughs> broke Jamal Lewis's rushing record in the game. Almost had it. Couldn't pull it off. So when I, when I think about that with Justin Jefferson, do something nobody's ever done. Go to 2K. Get 2,000 yards. And, and, and it sounds like a lot. But, and, and Adam Thielen's going to take a little bit from him. But if you think about 17 games, that's 117.6 yards a game. Basically 118 yards a game. So that's what Justin Jefferson has to do. I don't know, Sam, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, in a league where great receiver talent owns the league, if you win a triple crown in this wide receiver climate, if you set the catches mark, touchdowns mark, yards mark, if you flirt with 2,000 yards, that, that definitely speaks volumes because there are so many elite receivers and so many elite quarterbacks throwing to those receivers. So if Justin Jefferson puts himself in position to have, like, a 150 catch, 2,000 yard, 15 touchdown kind of season. That's historic. That's historic for the Vikings. That's historic for the league.
And the sneaky thing, Ron, is that 17th game. You just you you got that one bonus game that can get you those records. And sure, people might put a little asterisk next to it if you just sneak by in, in 17 games and uh, your average might have been a little lower than Megatron's, for instance. But the record books are going to reflect that Justin Jefferson was the greatest and set that record. So um, take advantage of that 17th game. And if he plays all 17, um, you know, throughout his career, aren't you convinced, Ron, he's going he's gonna to flirt with some of these records, whether it's the, the Vikings records or the, the National Football League records, because um, he's too good not to. And if the quarterback play can get him the ball um, and the coach recognizes his talent and game plans for it, feels like he's going to be up there uh, at least in the ballpark of Cooper Cup of uh, Megatron, Randy Moss, Chris Carter. Uh, it's all right there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the names right now on these lists that Justin Jefferson is close to, it's names of names. Like the big one for me when I thought about it, I'm like receiving uh, yards. So receiving yards in a seat, because they do per game too. Now that's not a record, but, or I mean, sorry, that is a record, but they do per game and they do total. So that's where it's going to come down to is the per game as well as the total number. And so when you think about Justin Jefferson's uh, list right now for receiving yards, and Justin Jefferson is 21st with 1616. You got Calvin Johnson, Cooper Cub, Julio Jones, Jerry Rice, Antonio Brown, Isaac Bruce, Charlie Henning, Hennigan, Hennigan uh, Michael Thomas, Marvin Harrison, Antonio Brown, Torrey Holt, Herman Moore, my guy from Detroit, Calvin Johnson again, uh, Julio Jones again, Marvin Harrison again, uh, Josh Gordon, which I said he's this dude is is gotten more lives than a cat, uh, and then Jimmy Smith. We got another Tory Holt. We got another Randy Moss, and then Demarius Thomas, the twentieth best season. Justin Jefferson at sixteen, sixteen, the twenty first best receiver season of everybody on that list. Josh Gordon is the youngest to have the best output, which was twenty two years of age in two thousand thirteen with the Cleveland Browns. So Justin Jefferson is right there. Like, he's right there with a bunch of Hall of Famers. Like, he's already put himself up there. He's already doing things that only, what, two other Vikings have done. Um, no, sorry, one, which is Randy Moss. And, and that's that's what's crazy about that. When you think about the best seasons for yards, the only one – did I even say Randy Moss? Randy Moss is not even on this list for yards. Yeah, he is, 19th. And that was with Minnesota in 2003. So, 16-32. Again, we know it was 16 games. Uh, so, the man was averaging 100-plus yards a game. But that's that's one of those things where Justin Jefferson, he does get that sneaky 17th game, uh, but he is chasing greatness. He is great. He is going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he, he's already in that trajectory. Like, he's already starting to put that out there. Um, he just can't have any injuries. And I, and I knock on wood, that's, that's the only thing that holds receivers back like this. Like, great receivers like that, it only takes one bad move or cut on turf, and then people start to downplay what they were or what they could have been. You know, it always goes like Josh Gordon. At one point, we were like, man, this dude's going to be one of the greatest receivers ever. And he couldn't stay on the field. Um, and, and so that that completely, like, tortured his career after that. Like, it, it just, it, his legacy, everything was just, it was tainted. Two and a half weeks, July 30th, training camp's coming. Doors open for the fans. So we're going to talk about these players, some names you don't know. I don't want to just give out the names that everybody knows. I want to go after some names and talk about what they can bring to this team. And some teams, some names that don't really jump off the pages when you look at your roster coming up for 2022, 2023. But we'll be back after this on the Ron Johnson Show. 
Up next on the Ron Johnson Show, we're going to talk about Vikings players heading into training camp. Who excites you? There's a lot of names out there. And no, we're not going to talk about Adam Thielen. We're not going to talk about Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins. We know those names, Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks. We know those names get you out of bed in the morning getting ready for training camp. We're going to talk about some guys that are going to be under the radar guys as far as national media, but they're going to be the pulse of some of these things on this team this year. But before we do that, we're going to bring in Sam Ekstrom, and we're going to have a word from our sponsors. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy, marshmallowy, 100% real chocolatey flavor. It is a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Yes, I said it, a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. So stop drooling and start listening. Uh, these are good for you. They're low calories, low sugar, high protein, and super duper delicious. Go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. So as we jump into this training camp conversation, and Sam, like when I think about three players, that's the question of the day for the Vikings. What three players excite you? First year, second year, third year players. Fans at home listening, feel free to tweet this out as well comment as well who you think or you can't wait for but this is like I, i'm struggling with some of these guys but this is the names that jump off to me for my first year player i gotta go with brian asamoah and this is why i don't think he's going to be a huge contributor in base defense and some of these other schemes but i think from a special team standpoint with his speed looking for a linebacker with speed uh, I think Chaz Surratt was originally the thought. Like, they thought when they drafted Chaz Surratt, they had that. They had an athletic linebacker that can really contribute on special teams, can come in in some sub packages here and there, but really like special teams. Because when you think about linebackers on special teams, I go back to Bart Scott. Bart Scott was one of the best linebackers on special teams our rookie year with the Ravens, and you see what happened from there. He grew that persona, the hard nose, play every play, make every play guy, willing to do anything for any teammate. I feel like Brian Asamoah is that guy where he's tall, he can put on a little weight, but he's fast. And so when you're fast, you can play anywhere on special teams because you got a lot of space. Like defense usually happens like in a, in a, in a box, you know, when you're a linebacker. And then you got a little bit of side to side, but it's mainly your side. Special teams, it's all over the field. Like those punt and kick returners can go anywhere they want. And so you really got to be dialed in on special teams to be able to be that guy to get down the field uh, before they really get going and can make you miss. So Brian Asamoah is my guy there. Also, I like the fact that he can cover running backs. He can cover tight ends if they need him to. Um, if they're looking at some different packages, if they want to leave Lewisine and Cam Bynum on the back end, Harrison Smith going after the quarterback. Um, that's a guy that I, I feel like can contribute, but we'll see. Uh, for my second-year guy, it, it's kind of an easy one, but it, it's Christian Derisaw. Uh, when you think about offensive tackles, I mean, we're talking about is Trent Williams one of the best players in the NFL? Is he the most dominant player in the NFL right now? I look at the size of Derisaw. I, I, I feel like he can become because because everybody's like, oh, you need a you don't need a guy to choose gunpowder and all that stuff. Like, not in today's NFL. It's not the same. Like, you just need a guy who's smart who knows the game and honestly won't get into issues like that, won't get you penalties 
uh, because they're playing too dirty and they're trying to do dumb stuff after the whistle and they're getting into fights with the DNs. No, you need a guy that's level-headed, that's not going to let anything get to him, that's going to keep the quarterback safe and protect his blind side. I think Christian Derisaw, being healthy, that was the big thing. He came in hurt last year coming off surgery. And so he didn't play right away. And everybody was so worried about, oh, my God, here we go again. The guy, you know, he can't get on the field. He's not practicing. He's not out there. We drafted the first-round pick for nothing. Well, he ended up being really good. And now he's going to have a full chance to come out, a full training camp, a full offseason. Uh, he's healthy to be a first-round, the guy everybody thought he was going to be from day one now. He's going to be able to be that big body. So I'm excited about that. And the third guy is going to be K.J. Osborne. Um, I, I just think as a receiver, that third receiver spot, it's so undervalued sometimes in the NFL because it is a one-two dominant, you know, league. When you think about Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd became an afterthought at times. Uh, when you when you look at uh, Godwin and uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Evans, but what ended up happening? Tom Brady kept advocating for for Antonio Brown. He's like, I need a three. I need a third guy. So Brady knows. Um, but there's so many teams like the Rams, you know, they were like, hey, we got to get Odell Beckham in here with Cooper Cup and to help out him and Robert Woods. And then Robert Woods gets hurt. They still win the Super Bowl. Um, but I think that wide receiver three, when you think about the greatest show on turf, you think about Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, you know, and that, and that group, and Ricky Pro. Uh, you, you think about some of these other teams that have had three really good. I mean, you go back to Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and, and Brandon Stokely. You always need. Like Brandon Stokely was the best addition. He was my teammate with the Ravens. He was the best addition for Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning said. Why? Because it gave him a guy that could catch 10 freaking touchdowns. 10 touchdowns as a third receiver. And not even a Hall of Famer. You got two Hall of Famers, and you got this third receiver catching 10 touchdowns. I think K.J. Osborne can be that guy. Like, he could easily hit 10 touchdowns. Like, he, if, if, you, if you're going to overplay Justin Jefferson, and you, then you're going to say, okay, well, we got to make sure we have somebody over the top of Adam Thielen. K.J. Osborne is going one-on-one -on -one with somebody, and he's shown he's dependable. That's why I think K.J. Osborne can be that guy to keep an eye on with 10 touchdowns. I mean, he's a 10-touchdown guy. He had seven, right, Sam? Seven was this year? Six or seven? Yeah, seven this year. Machine. So, Touchdown machine. That's, that's, that's an opportunity in an offense that did, wasn't real creative. You know, this is going to be a creative offense. Mm -hmm. K.J. Osborne can easily get 10 touchdowns. I think in a creative offense, like when you think about Peyton Manning with Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, and Brandon Stokely, I don't see why K.J. Osborne couldn't do that and get 10 touchdowns. Like, it's, it's right there for the taking. Justin Jefferson with 20-plus, or not even 20-plus, I said, what, 18? So 18 for Justin Jefferson to break Chris Carter's record? 10 for, for, for him? I mean, it becomes Moss Carter and Jake Reed all over again. Adam Thielen with 10. There's two receivers with 10, another receiver with 18. That's Moss Carter and Jake Reed. That's I a big year for Kirk it. if that happens. That's, that's a, a lot of touchdown passes. But that's the thing. What did I say the number was for Kirk? 40. 40 touchdowns. That puts him at 38 with those three. That leaves a couple for Irv Smith, two or three. But I said 40. I said this was a 40-touchdown season for Kirk. You can give him 40-plus touchdowns and under 10 interceptions. Hey, you got to respect the game. Don't hate the player. You can hate the game, but you can't hate on him. But, Sam, those are my three. I don't know if you have three out there. Yeah, I'll give you a rookie I like, a Caleb Evans, because I want to see okay. if he can crack this, at least be in the rotation to where if somebody got hurt, would they trust a Caleb Evans in a, in a big spot? 
Because, um, you know, who knows? A Caleb Evans, two rounds later than Andrew Booth, what if he actually picks up the defense a little faster? What if his technique is just a little sharper right away than Booth? And, and obviously injuries are a concern with Booth too. Could Evans find himself as that fourth or fifth cornerback where they might call on him in a pinch? Um, I want to see how he does, how he fares on special teams. Second-year player, I look at the draft class from last year. They kind of killed it in the fourth and fifth rounds. I feel like Kane Wangwu is a big hit. Cameron Bynum is a huge hit. Amir Smith-Marset is I, a player that really excites me. And we don't know about Janarius Robinson yet. He might be good, too. I, I think that kind of the middle of that draft might actually be the sweet spot for last year's uh, draft. I'm going to go with Wangwu. I think that he's just a an electrifying presence offensively who's going to get a lot of run in the passing game. He He's the kind of guy that kind of Robert Smith-like who could take a screen and then take it 60 yards. Like that that's the kind of speed that he has and his shiftiness in open spaces. Really, really looking forward to his year. And then a third-year player since you took KJ, I'm going to go with Cameron Dantzler, who I've been kind of talking up on this show. I think that he's sitting on a big breakthrough season if he figures out the end of game stuff because that has sullied everybody's opinion of him but he really has been pretty good in between kind of the late game meltdowns so I think that if he can just get his head on straight in the fourth quarter I think he's sitting on a pretty nice year well there you have it those are our three what are your three let us know what your thoughts are in the comments. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. This is the Ron Johnson Show. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. And we'll be back after this with the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Stay tuned. Now it's time for the show, part of the show I love. That's the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Sam Ekstrom, take it away. Twins slumping into the All-Star break. Their record is 50-44 and 44 after dropping three of four the Chicago White Sox, including an 11-0 drubbing on Sunday afternoon. So a very sour note headed into the All-Star break. The lead over the Guardians is two. The lead over the White Sox is three. And the White Sox seem to be charging hard. Ron, do you have concerns about the way things are going? Are the Twins going to surrender this lead in the second half of the season? From a Guardian standpoint, no. I feel like the Guardians are going to fall back. But I, I do worry about the White Sox now. Like I think the White Sox... Um, our team, they got a lot of confidence after that three to three to three, blah, three win um, series. They got three out of it. When you think about that, there's two things that are going to happen. Over this break, the veteran guys are going to do what's necessary to recharge. Because that, that, I mean, 50 and 44, they've already played 94 freaking games. My daughter played 44 this year, and I'm tired. 94? That's crazy. And so when you think about 50 and 44, well, one, one thing we said at the beginning of the year, I said, let's wait to at least the halfway mark. They're still in first place at the halfway mark. So we've, we've made it there. And then we talked about the all-star break. They're still in first place, first place at the all-star break. As you get to, and then the next one was 100 games. So they're about six games away from 100. We'll see at the 100 game mark, because then that means there's about 60 games left, give or take, that are going to really matter. Maybe 50 that are going to really matter. Because hopefully at one point they can push it out to where the last like seven games don't count because they have an eight-game lead. I don't know if they can do that, but here's where it matters most. You cannot lose games to the Sox and the Guardians. Like that's that's the way you really just make sure you keep a lead. The other teams, I don't think it, it doesn't matter to catch them, but you gotta you gotta beat your the guys chasing you. 
And they gave the White Sox a little bit more energy, a little bit more confidence going into this break. So I'm a little worried. I am a little worried because it because in any sport it becomes mental. Like the three one. Remember the three one lead that Braun had, or sorry, that gave that uh, sorry was behind the deficit that he had against the Warriors. He ended up winning mm-hmm. because he he put it back to three two, and then doubt crept in. Then he got it to three three, and then the Warriors really were in doubt. Now, granted, Game Seven was nothing but magical and play after play after play. But doubt crept in. The Warriors, nobody would have thought 3-1, the Warriors would lose that game. And they did. And that's why you cannot let doubt creep in. And I feel like there might be a little bit with the Twins. Maybe a little bit. Now, hopefully there's something internally, whether it's injuries, fatigue, stuff guys are saying in the clubhouse that are like giving the guys a little bit more like, oh, okay, I get it. I see why we lost those. Yeah, like so-and-so wasn't really up to it. So-and-so was a little hurt. Uh, we're just trying to limp into the, to the All-Star break. Hopefully that is one of those. Like, because they had a four and a half game lead, and it's getting closer now. After the break, they have Tigers, Brewers, and Padres all on the road. So they got to go on a road trip to start the second half of the year. Uh, Brian O'Neill, Ron, was an honorable mention on ESPN's poll of uh, the offensive tackles. As we, we know, we've been going through the lists. Uh, players, executives, scouts all voted on the list, and Brian O'Neill, not in the top 10, did get the honorable mention nod. Ron, do you think he deserved to be in the top 10? And I can I can find that top 10 list for you uh, in a second, but reactions to Brian O'Neill not being in the top 10? I think it is what it is. Like, he, he doesn't – I don't think – when I looked at the list, not that list, I looked at PFF's list, um, and not so much I believe in everything PFF says, because, you know, I don't. But I, I'm looking at the names on this list. So they have Trent Williams, one, which I think is, is legit. David Bakhtiari, that's legit. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, that's legit. Ryan Ramchek, that's legit. Lane Johnson, another one. Uh, Teron Armstead. So that one, eh, I mean, now again, he, he's with the Dolphins. So we'll see what that looks like this year. But I could question that one. But Tyron Smith. That's the good. Ronnie Staley, yep. Uh, Rashawn Slater, he deserves to be up there now, young guy. Um, and then you go down to Taylor Moten with the Panthers. I think he's got Jack Conklin, who was with the Giants, now the Browns. I think he was with the Giants. now, or um, Yeah, now the Browns. Um, you got Laramie Tunsil. We know he's good. We're at 12 now. Leo Collins, Cincinnati Bengals from the Cowboys. He's good. Um, not Braden Smith, but he's on there. Edgerton Jenkins. Um Colton Miller, I, I think he's good. Um, they have, uh, what's his name? And they got Penny Sewell in here. That's another good one. They have, uh, what's his name, all the way down. You still got Taylor Decker, so-so-so. Orlando Brown Jr., so-so. Uh, but they have him, Brian O'Neill, all the way down at 28th or 26. What was it, 28th or 26? One of the two. 26. And so when you when you think about that, no, he doesn't deserve to be in the top 10. I just threw out a bunch of names that he hasn't surpassed yet. He is a right tackle. Some of those guys are key power left tackles. Trent Williams is the best tackle in the NFL right now. So, no, I, I don't think he deserves to crack that list yet. Um, I, I think he's a good tackle. We'll see this year if he outplays even his counterpart, which is Christian Derrissaw. Uh, Derrissaw has a great year. Kirk Cousins only ends up you know, in, in, you know, in less than 20 or right at 20, 21 sacks. Maybe it's Christian Derrissaw who jumps into that top 10. I mean, after a rookie year of being hurt, now coming off a healthy year, we'll see what he looks like. You got Rashawn Slater already cracked that list. Pinay Sewell is on that list. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have their top ten list? Do you have it up? Yeah, I do. And you pretty much rattled off the the same guys they have in different orders. So the top ten list yep. they have is Williams, Wirfs, 
Bakhtiari, Slater, who, again, putting him number four when Brian O'Neill's had four good seasons in the league, that seems a little off kilter to me. I don't know if I'd, I'd put a one, you know, a guy who's been in the league one year at number four, but Tyron Smith, Larry Tunsil, Lane Johnson, Ronnie Stanley, Ryan Ramchek, Teron Armstead, and then you get into the honorable mentions. O'Neal's just consistent, man. I mean, he doesn't give up sacks. He's there every single game, doesn't miss time. He's durable. He's a good leader on that line. He brings a lot to the table. Um, and if he has one big year where he, like, allows, I don't know, one pressure per game for 17 games, I mean, that would be an outstanding season. I think that would give him a little more respect. Last one. Right. And they do say he's ranked seventh. They do say he's ranked seventh as far as – uh, sacks per snaps. He's only, you know, among 49 tackles with at least a thousand pass blocking snaps since 2019. He is ranked seventh. Um, so, I mean, he's good. He's good. So we'll see what happens this year. Yeah, that's a good stat. Um, Chris Finch had an extensive Q&A with the Star Tribune over the weekend, had a lot of good stuff to say about Gobert and the conversations he's had with him, the conversations he's had with D'Angelo Russell. And you get the feeling, Ron, that Chris Finch's biggest job this year might be just handling egos he's got a lot of stars on this team there's a lot of expectations on this team how is it all going to fit together ron what do you think uh chris finch's biggest job is as a coach this year to guide these wolves to that top four seed to a home court advantage in the playoffs and to meet those expectations uh, so I'd say his biggest is going to be controlling D'Angelo Russell's want to like start him because we know D'Angelo Russell loves the spotlight. He loves to celebrate. I mean, he took some threes in big spots at times because I think he really now again, he's not afraid of the moment. So that's key with a, with a point guard, too. He's not going to Ben Simmons that thing and, and pass up a layup or a shot. Um, he's going to have to control his want for the moment. Like if they're in a back and forth game with the Warriors or they're in a back and forth game with the Grizzlies again, because uh, it's gonna happen, uh, he has to be able to control his 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 thought process. Like slow down. You're just the point guard. You have Gobert. You have Carlin Towns. You have Ann Edwards. You have Jaden McDaniels. Slow it down. Slow down. And so I think that's gonna be one of the toughest. Is like these. There's gonna be some exciting games i think they're going to get a little bit more national notoriety games this year i think they're going to want to get them on tv a little bit more this year uh just for the simple fact of the twin towers you haven't seen that since tim duncan and uh david robinson so now you have a true twin towers again back in the nba uh it's been a while it's been a while since you had two centers on a team uh on the court at the same time starting and so that it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna bring back some nostalgic memories for a lot of these broadcasters like reggie miller and all these guys and, and, and the mtnt chat guys and, and, and him and charles right like they're gonna they're gonna love to talk about this now they're also gonna love to talk about anything the timberwolves do this year because of what happened at the end of the year last year but no i think chris finch's biggest is going to be controlling d'angelo russell like he's gonna have to become a true point guard and there's a the thing if he can't do it he cannot be afraid to pull the trigger and let wendell moore get the offense started. And I think that's going to be the other part of this is where does Wendell Moore fit in as a six man? You know, do you pull the trigger fast and get him on the court with Ann Edwards and say, hey, he he doesn't like fire up shots like D'Angelo Russell and he's a little bit more in tune because he's a dookie and we know Duke players are NBA ready. Like Coach K gets those guys NBA ready. We've seen that. But I think that's going to be his biggest, biggest issues. Yeah. I mean, how good is Chris Finch's resolve? If it's not working with the big lineup, is he going to pivot? Is he going to stick with it? How is he going to handle the noise when all the media is saying, oh, you can't win with two big men in the NBA. They should have seen this coming. How is he going to handle that when they encounter adversity? 
Right. Well, yeah, well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. I'm Ron Johnson. Please subscribe, share, like, comment, wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just search Locked On Sports Minnesota, and you can find the Ron Johnson Show along with all of our other shows. That's Sam Ekstrom. I'm Ron Johnson, and that'll do it for today. Thank you, and have a great one.